You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Nine Fingers a.k.a. Mr. Missing Digit, a.k.a. Mr. Steel, Steel Yo Grandma. I don't know. I, I heard that on a rap song once, and I thought it would be cool to say, and I regret saying it now. But anyway, what I'm getting at is I'm glad you guys are listening today because we have a, a really good episode. I'm talking with one half of the identical draw uh, guys, Nate Crick, and uh, basically we talk about trail camera data today. We talk about, specifically, we talk about summer, right? Uh, summer trail camera picks. And and right now, there is a lot of people sharing pictures of deer and velvet. There's a lot of people starting to get their trail cameras out. There's a lot of people, uh, you know, starting to get the ball rolling for this upcoming season. And... I don't know how to feel about it. Don't get me wrong. And like I mentioned in, in this episode, I absolutely love getting pictures of big velvet deer. But then I, I feel like over the years I've been disappointed because of that September shift, because of pressure from other people, because of um, you know food source changes or just a variety of different things. The deer that I get so excited about on trail camera every summer go do something else right and i, I mentioned i also mentioned this this 20 percent retention what i mean by that is of all the bucks that are on the properties that i hunt about 20 percent of them stay 
the rest go. And typically it's the bigger deer. Uh, so throughout the years, I've been lucky and had some, some decent ones stay or some decent ones come into the area during the actual hunting season. But the conversation in this episode really revolves around the summer trail camera pick and if it means anything, right? And, and uh, why should it mean something or why should you not get excited or should you get excited, right? And so uh, Nate has a, a property in Kansas that he mentions. He runs trail cameras 365 days a year on that property. I, on the other hand, have just been over the years as time kind of just gets away from me every every summer just have i've put up less and less trail cameras uh or have pushed it back and pushed it back and pushed it back until the i don't know the august time frame or the or the late july time frame and then i I do a big push in september now historically september has been a no timber month stay out avoid being part of the pressure and and, and so as that all kind of changes, um, it, my life changes with kids and activities, I've just, I've really focused on the intel from the actual hunting season or the weeks leading up until the time that I could hunt. So with all that said, that's the topic today. Um, our, our summer trail camera, um, you know, summer, summer trail camera intel, does it even matter? right? So it's an excellent episode. All right. So a quick commercial. If you're looking for a really good, badass saddle accessories, platform for saddle hunting, go check out Tethered. These guys are doing some great things. Um, If you're looking for, in my opinion, right? Obviously everybody has their favorites, but in my opinion, hands down the best broadhead like I don't know why I love this company so much because I'm confident in it, obviously. But uh, that's Wasp Broadheads. I've killed more deer with Wasp Broadheads than any other Broadhead combined. We're talking, I think I'm going on like 13 years with the same company, the same Broadheads. I, I've stepped away for a little bit, came back a little bit, uh, and then always keep coming back to Wasp. And I have a discount code for 20% off. Uh, wasparchery.com enter the discount code nfc20 and that's going to get you 20 percent off on either uh their their uh, mechanicals i recommend the jackhammer or their fixed blade i recommend the boss four blade uh so wasp then we have excalibur crossbows if you're looking to pick up a crossbow for yourself or a family member or a kid or a wife or whoever right? If you think a crossbow's for you, go check out ExcaliburCrossbow.com. These guys have been around for 30 years. And in 30 years, if you make a shit product, um, you won't last, but these guys have lasted. So uh, go check out ExcaliburCrossbow.com. Hunt stand. Obviously right now with myself, I just got my South Dakota tag in the mail. So now it's scout time. Now it's prep time. Now it's between now and the time that I leave for my trip. It is gathering information, looking to see if the spots that I have marked are going to be good, locating new spots for backup. And I'll tell you this, man, I, I feel like I, uh, I'm on, on my, uh, my hunt stand app more and more and more. It's just because the functionality is there, right? Um, the ability to just gather information and at the same time journal from all the experiences that you have through either e-scouting or 
from time spent in the field. And so that's why, uh, in my opinion, Hunt Stand is the best of the best. And at the, the price of $30 a year, it's the most affordable with the most functionality. Vortex Optics, I'll tell you this right now, um, there's no, there's, there's companies out there that are good, but Vortex is one of the best at what they do. They are participants in the the realm that they sell products in. So the hunting, the outdoors, the shooting, the people who work there are experts. Okay. So they're going to be able to provide you with the best customer service when they, in fact, also use their products like you use your products. So um, vortexoptics.com, go check them out. And if you're, uh, we talk about trail cameras, right? And I've been running Exodus trail cameras for a very long time now. Uh, it's, it's a brand that I can trust because when I turn on the trail camera and I walk away, I have confidence that that trail camera is taking pictures out in the woods. So uh, exodusoutdoorgear.com, they're also selling arrows now. So uh, go take a look at those. Other than that, um, I appreciate, go check out all those brands because they're, they're, they are really good companies. They, uh, really good people run those companies. And uh, if you want to support the Nine Finger Chronicles, go, go check that out. And I think that's it. All right, so we've done the commercial, we've done the intro. Let's just get right into the content today. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, I should say on the internet with me today, one half of Identical Draw, Nathan Crick. Nathan, what's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot, you know, just uh, trying to survive the freaking heat wave that we've had for the past like month but yeah, yeah no i'm doing well yeah i tell you what it, i feel like spring was all right i don't i don't remember complaining too much about the spring like the weather in the spring but now we've had the past you know like i you live on the eastern side of nebraska i live on the eastern side of iowa so typically whatever you get we get and so right. it's just been I don't even want to say it's been horrible. It's been hot, but not horribly hot. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, I don't know. It's just like, I think, I don't know. It seems like it just like came up out of nowhere. Maybe I just was like so focused in the spring. But then I finally look at the 10-day forecast. I'm like 95, 95, 95, 98, 100, 99, yeah. 99. I'm like, I, I'm like the most like, okay, I, I love a few things about summer, but I'm like, I'm already done with summer. I'm like, bring on September, basically. Yeah. I'm like, I like a few things. I like to do the occasional summer scout. I like to do some fishing, and that's basically it in the summer. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, give me September, basically. Yeah. I feel yeah. you. Uh, are you a, would you rather be extremely hot or would you rather be extremely cold? Oh, definitely cold. 100% cold. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think I could sit in my own sweat and just bake for longer periods of time than I could. For some reason, man, if my feet get cold, I'm done. Yeah. Like I am done. Yeah. I can't I can't like so the the extreme cold, I just I don't know if I can do it. But yeah, I, I'll I mean, sit both there and of them sweat. Get annoying. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Sure. Well, um I got something in the mail today. Uh What's that? from the fish and game department of South Dakota. Ooh. Did you check your mail yet? I think I did. Yeah, actually I still have it going to my parents, but my dad sent me a, 
send me a text message of something too <laughs> okay all right yeah. so hey you might have that uh tag that we both draw every year for sure yep that is one i am very much looking forward to yeah man I, I don't know what it is about south dakota that i love so much maybe it's just the endless i mean you get you get west of the missouri river and there there is so much public land to the point where you can just you could hunt every day of the year in a new spot for sure yeah i mean i i don't know what it, i mean obviously the state i'm from nebraska has a similar mix of whitetails and muleys but yeah. i don't know when we go up there i mean in this literally in the same glassing knob last year we saw like a big big muley and a big big whitetail yeah i'm like I, I don't know how you can't love that combo. Yeah, yeah, and it, and they cross over, they cross over a good amount too, where they're exactly, living in, they're yeah. living in the same habitat. You know, there's typically a little bit of crossover, but what I've found is that then you head up, you know, up into the hills, and there's all the mule deer, and then you uh -huh. head way down into the river bottoms or into any place where there's like some kind of drainage or running water. Uh, you know, if there's an ag field or some kind of uh, grass field, that helps out. But there's the whitetails. And it was yep. ex that exact mix where I, I killed my, my South Dakota whitetail this past year. So, mm -hmm. man, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm really looking forward to – I'm really looking forward to that, that hunt again. How much time are you uh, giving yourself this year up there? Well, it depends, right? So I'm going to – La the last two years I give myself eight days okay yeah. so two of them are travel and and so that means roughly six days of hunting I leave on a Friday well wait yeah I leave on a Friday and real early in the morning and it's an eight-hour drive all the way to the western side of the state if I decide to um you know stop you know, just, just west of the Missouri and then maybe hunt my way there or hunt my way back. It could be a little less, but with that said, what I've in the past, so I leave on a Friday and then I come back on a Saturday or Sunday. All right. So I have basically an eight day hunt, but this year, man, I think I, I want to give more time to it. I'm going to try to pull a 10 dayer. Um, so yeah. that means eight days of hunting and you know, I feel like my brownie points this year are really, really good. So, <laughs> I mean, for some reason, yeah. I feel like I've put in the work this year. And I might be able to flex a little bit and say, hey, I've done a lot. I'm going hunting. <laughs> Deal with it. And, Give but, me what, two more days. Right? <laughs> so, I say this to you like I'm some tough guy, but... In front of my wife, I'll be like, oh, "Honey, would you mind if I please, 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 please can I get away with a ten day hunt?" <laughs> like, we'll yeah. we'll see, we'll see. How about you? Um, well, trying to do more time this year because yeah. freaking my brother Thomas has absolutely screwed us over the last two years. He's always so we try to go around the opener sometime, which mm -hmm. is for for I guess for um, us non residents October one. Yeah, and he always has something like that like, that first weekend that we have to get back for so it always like cuts our trip like with, like hunting days we get like i don't know five five days maybe and it always seems like obviously it takes us a day or two to really figure out what's going on and then we get like finally we start hunting really hard for like one two three days and we're like 
so close to making it happen and then we got to go back for something so i'm like dude i don't care if you got something i'm staying out there 100 i was like he's had the tag the last two years i'm like i'm getting the tag because you always plant some stupid fall break <laughs> trip or something i'm like i'm staying out there this is too good heck uh, yeah but no i think this year i think we'll have i'm I, we want like seven full hunting days yeah so tack on a, a day of travel on each end but yeah um, yeah man i i think it's one of those places where if you just give yourself that amount of time it's uh it's got to happen yeah and so i don't know about you you know obviously we've killed whitetails before but man like i i, I feel like i have to dedicate like so last year i found a pocket of whitetails and so i took advantage of it and i stayed and i you know got a whitetail but this year man i I feel like it's all it's gonna be all mule deer like i i have to try to tough it out and stick with where the mule deer are and not bounce around so much and maybe just avoid places that have whitetails in them and and uh just i don't know Uh, a guy told me once and i don't know i find myself doing this sometimes don't leave deer to find deer so (laughs) so i don't know i'm i'm going all in on mule deer this year in south dakota yeah see that's that's a good way to go see i and you're probably similar i am like such a whitetail guy in my core that like if i'm hunting elk in september I'm thinking about whitetails. If I'm like hunting mule deer, I'm thinking about whitetails. So like, that's really difficult for me because if I say I'm hunting like muley country in South Dakota, and then I see like, even if I, okay, if I had to pick between 160 inch mule deer and 130 inch whitetail on public, I'm shooting that whitetail all day, every day. Like that's just how, I don't know. I just, (laughs) whitetails just give me, I don't know why it just give me so much more jacked up. Um, But I'm like, if I, if I'm going to commit myself to mule deer, I'm like, I just, just don't show me a white tail. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> stay out of my eyesight. Exactly. And that's why I'm going to avoid certain, certain places and, For sure. and, uh, and go in. But man, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm lo- really looking forward to this fall other than South Dakota. Um, any other out of state hunts? Um, yes. Yeah, so Thomas, my brother drew Colorado, uh, archery, which this was the first year. Um, the unit we hunt went um, to draw from over the counter. So we're actually kind of excited about that because I feel like the only thing that's really been ruining those hunts is, I mean, absolutely, I mean, an absolute ton of guys. Like, yeah. uh, and I mean, we've hunted a lot of pressured stuff, but like the most pressured hunting we've ever done in our life. Um, and so that it will be September. And then uh, we're actually adding um, Oklahoma. Ooh, the first dude. time we were hunting Oklahoma. Nice. So, yeah, we're actually really excited about um, this one. We I went down there last October to do a filming, a little filming gig, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, I feel like it looks pretty good around here. Like, not a lot of pressure. Um, I mean, it was during the week in, like, mid-October, so not, like, a crazy time. But yeah. um, I was like, man, there's there are decent deer down here, and it's over the counter. So, yep. We're just gonna dip down there and give it. We that that's another hunt where we're like kind of like ten days, like really gonna yeah. etch some time in there. And then obviously hunting uh, the eighty in Kansas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Do you do you and your brother get that tag every year? In Kansas. Yeah. Um. So we get one per eighty acres. Um. So we kind of go back and forth on that, and then the other person has to draw. Um. 
the non-resident basically mm -hmm. um and that was me and i drew so we both have tags oh nice, um, nice. and we're actually trying to there's there's another tag that's like a um it's a non-resident tenant that like it's, it basically seemed like if you were farming the ground or working the ground um or harvesting things off the property then you could get kind of like a kind of like a resident tag not necessarily like yeah it wasn't the same as a landowner tag but um so we're trying to talk with the forester because we do like timber harvest and stuff like that. We don't really, we don't farm any of it. The, yeah. I mean, the tiny plots we, we leave standing and stuff like that. So we don't harvest any of that, but we're trying to figure out a way how to get more tags. But yeah, right now one landowner, then the other person has to still draw it. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And honestly, that's what I want to talk about today. The main topic today is trail camera data from the summer and if it is worth a shit for the upcoming season, all right? I have my thoughts on it. I want to get your thoughts on it. And I know there's, uh, you know, a, a variety of different scenarios that we, you know, that we could play out here and directions that we could go. But the first thing that I want to ask you is from an, not necessarily from a summer standpoint, but from an annual 365 days. Um, I believe you mentioned uh, in our Instagram uh, conversation that you have trail cameras out on this particular piece of ground you have in Kansas, this 80 acres and mm -hmm. it's uh, you have them up all year round. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's talk about annual, annual patterns of deer what have you seen on that particular property um, in the last handful of years uh, from an annual deer patterning, patterning standpoint? For sure. So yeah, we have throughout the whole year, we've had, we have like five or six cameras um, on the 80 and some of, I mean, some of them, I guess five, five of them um, are cellular. And then we have a, well, I guess we have a few more um, that aren't cell. So cellular cameras, um, but yeah, from an annual look at it, the first, we bought the property in February of 2019, I think. And we had a few, um, buck pictures that winter still, but then spring, it totally fell off. Um, and then throughout the summer, we like didn't have, I mean, I th like talking mature buck pictures, like we didn't have a mature buck until like september like early september okay so like being like new landowners we we're like what the heck did we just like is this property a bus like uh what the heck's going on um but yeah no that's been an annual that's been like a very annual thing we don't like on this like piece of ground we very rarely get like summer buck pictures um we get young bucks and um, we get a decent amount of doe pictures but like for whatever reason, like the mature bucks have evaded us besides, I would say one, one mature deer that was just extreme homebody. Um, we just happened to be where he was living. And so we got some pictures of him, but once that September, October and November rolled around, I mean, it was like uh, new buck. Like, I mean, some days it would be multiple new, new bucks. Um, like once that October timeframe hit uh, and then, same into December, we still would keep food standing and then be a whole nother class of like completely different bucks that we had never seen in the earlier fall and any of the summer. So, um, yeah, that's the annual stuff, like tons of action from October to December on our, uh, honestly, October to I mean, 
January and February are insane too um, on our property just because it's big, thick timber cover. Um, and then the rest of that year, I mean, we can't we can't buy a buck picture during this time of the year. So yeah, so so basically, what you're saying is if if you were a guy who was relying on summer intel to make a decision whether or not to hunt a property, uh, like and then take your trail cameras down, let's say in August at some point, you know, put them out, see what's there, then leave. You guys would you probably wouldn't hunt that property at all. Hundred percent, and it's not like we're just putting like trail cam picks like uh, or trail cameras just like on trails or something. Like we're we'll, we're putting like we have like some mineral sites, we have some feed sites. We like I mean we've done the like a little bit of corn in front of it. Like I mean we're trying to get buck picks and like we right. can't get buck picks. So yeah, it's like right. Uh, yeah, our our property just doesn't hold them. And so yeah, if you were if you were only basing it on that, this wouldn't. Uh, this would not be uh, something you like now what about one second <coughs> i ate a granola bar earlier and for some know. reason it i have a i guess there was a little bit that didn't uh, go all the way down anyway does are there does on your property all year round there are yeah on uh on trail camera the does are are thick yes mm-hmm. so all right, so we have the does, and and is there a doe group that st- stays on that eighty or or uh, several doe groups or whatever that stay on that property all year round? It seems so. Yeah, okay. it seems like uh, they. It's almost like I mean they're predictable. Basically, I mean there's there's a couple of them that hit certain plots. It seems like most mornings and evenings type of thing. So okay. yeah. All right, so then. We have so I got to talk a little bit about my my property here. Yeah, my my properties. I'm I'm using. I'm going to use actually both are kind of the same. In the fall, or in the summer, and I I don't even have I have maybe two trail cameras out right now. That's it, and I haven't checked them in a while. Right, so I'm I'm way behind this year. But anyway, if you were to base. My like, if you were to go in, set up trail cameras uh, during the summer uh, on the farms that I hunt, you would think that it is the best farm in the state of Iowa. I mean, <laughs> giant like giant deer, Boone and Crockett caliber, trail camera pictures, just perfect. But yep. then something happens, right? So if I if I'm gathering that data and I say, "Holy cow, man!" Uh, uh, this is going to be a good farm. Uh, tons of good deer, but and there's you know bachelor groups, several picture, several deer in the same picture. You know I use mineral, um, I use field edge, you know type. I use pinch point, uh, fence crossing, that kind of stuff where deer hang out. And and if you were to base, uh, you know, what hunting would be like off that, you would say, oh my god, this is awesome. And uh-huh. but then we have kind of the opposite thing happen right of your farm and that is once the velvet comes off the number of bucks on that farm just disappear i mean i'm talking like i want to i'm going to go as high as 80 percent uh leave 80 percent. so like a 20 a 20 percent retention in bucks some years those bucks are big some years they're not so I don't necessarily, you know, they go somewhere. I don't know necessarily where they go onto a, a neighboring farm or something like that. But then from like 
September all the way until I'm going to say late October. It, there's deer there, but none of them are four year four year olds, right? Yep. They are, mm-hmm. and very rarely. So there are years where there are you know a, a big, very interesting deer sticks around, but for the most part, if I was to you know hedge a bet on on summer tra- trail camera intel, I'd be like awesome. But then I'd go there and hunt let's just say early October, even into early November. And I would be like, what happened? There's no deer. There's no, there's no shooters Mm -hmm. here and there's no shooters that are daylight. So that tells me that their core areas have shifted. Um, Mm -hmm. So it sounds like all my deer kind of go to your farm in the, (laughs) after, after the velvet shift. Right. So, um, so for, for you, like where's the weight like what how do you weigh summer trail camera pictures and does it have anything to do with how you plan your strategy in the in the fall um zero weight like we we use absolutely i mean obviously we'd love to get summer pictures and kind of like possibly i mean canvas opener september 12th like would we love to be able to try to hone in a buck's pattern on our property during that early season? hundred percent. But like, we just know that's just not our ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're totally cool with that. Like obviously, like I was saying the first year, um, we were like, what, like, where are the deer? Because the Nebraska piece we used to hunt that we had permission on. It was like, it was like your ground. It was like summer pictures were like absolutely nuts. And then October, November came around. We we're like, where are the deer? Um, so that's what we were kind of used to. Uh, but yeah, no, we don't, I mean, we don't put anything into the summer uh, stuff. We, I mean, we still like do the summer scouting and stuff like that. Um, but it's like, it's, it's kind of a joke. We, I mean, yeah, we just don't, I don't know. We just don't hold the deer around there. And uh, we've, we've really wondered like where, like which property in our area. Cause like you said, they have to be somewhere and they have to be, I mean, the, the, I assume they're closer than what we think. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, those deer are just gone. But I'm assuming they're, I mean, they're really close. And heck, they could be using the property, just avoiding the trail cameras and things like that. But it's like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious as to what our property doesn't hold during the summer that uh, makes makes it just not attractive during that time frame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's no, we, I mean, we really don't take any intel until, I mean, October for yeah. sure. So does it matter to you at this point that no, no, knowing that you've had, you have trail camera pictures of, you know, deer moving into your area during the hunting season, that means they're not where they were. Right. So no one else is going to, sh- well, someone could shoot them, right. Mm-hmm. They, they go off the 80 for a little bit and then they come back on or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your property then becomes the core area for some of these deer or, or I don't like core area to me is a difficult term because right. like when people think core area, they think like where I hunt is their core area. But for me, I look at it like a deer's living area could be across multiple fence fence lines right right for sure yeah yeah i mean i think like it seems like during the fall our property becomes a core area for certain deer because i mean when you're getting them on camera 
like most days out of the week for like a month it's like i mean i would consider that pretty core um but it's also like if you looked at an aerial of r80 it's like within a few miles ours is the by far the biggest chunk of timber and it's also like there's you got water access with it too so it's like also i mean i like to think that deer come and like hang out and live on it but it's also like just I mean, incredible travel route as well. Like if yeah. you, if bucks are trekking structure for does, bedding and stuff during that time of the year or trying to push does around, I mean, R80 is going to hold them. And maybe they're just moving. Maybe it's just such a good highway that they're just moving through. And I, I'm mistaken that for being like in their core area. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, the buck Thomas shot last year, we put that episode up on our YouTube. Like we had never seen the deer before. Total like out of the blue deer. And some guy on the YouTube was like, dude, I've had this deer on camera. Like he's all over and he sent Thomas trail camp picks. Sure enough, hundred percent, the same deer. And he was six miles North of us. Yeah. So it's like, uh, maybe it's just a really good travel, good travel route. Like, I don't know. I, I want to think like they're, they're hanging out and living there, but I don't know either way. If they're using the ground, I'm all happy about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I know that everybody wants to, have a property where the deer live on one acre and they just, they have everything yeah. they need. They got the food, food, water cover, uh, does, right? So they're, they're there all year round. I just don't see that happening as far as, so my uncle lives in Kansas too. And he's, um, he followed a deer for a handful of years and two to like two miles in a state like Kansas and even in out in Nebraska for a buck to travel just doesn't seem like a long way but if you're talking about in iowa i feel like two miles three miles is a long way for a deer to travel unless you know like i'm sure it happens at some point but there's enough does in a section let's say a mile by a mile that they don't necessarily have to leave Mm -hmm. whereas that 80 I'm guessing it's surrounded by ag or cattle operation and there's not a ton of structure in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, um, I think part of it. I mean, there's a few other, there's a few other chunks of like some decent timber around, but it is a hundred percent primarily ag, which I think is, I mean, back to the summer thing. I'm, I'm assuming that's why we don't get as much summer, um, uh, because I feel like they're just on those food sources more. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we have a neighbor to uh, the north that lets us um, access during our property during season and also lets us just do some summer scouting because he owns a bunch of ag. Mm-hmm. And we saw one of our, our the deer we've been following um, using his stuff. Um, so that was actually really interesting to see like, okay, that deer is 100% hanging out like, I don't know, half, half mile, three quarters mile uh, north of us um, just using this and uh, – so yeah, I mean it's still helpful to put those things together, but um, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to then, like for me, I just don't get excited. I mean, trust me, if there's a big buck in velvet, awesome picture, excited that I have that picture, but I don't get excited because I know the likelihood of that deer sticking around mm-hmm. is, I don't know, it it it, it just doesn't. I don't, I don't get fired up about it anymore. Like I used mm-hmm. to now, mm-hmm. um, sounds like you, they shift to your property. So let's talk a little bit about in the summer months, what do you feel that your property lacks or doesn't have 
that keeps them out of there during the summer months? Yeah, you know, that's been the question. And it's really interesting. I mean, we have, if you were to walk through our 80 from north to south, east to west, majority of the time you will have, it's mostly shaded. And then just because the, I mean, it's big timber, big oaks and stuff. Um, so it's like just dark in there besides the management we've done cutting timber or um, some food plots here and there, but there's tiny, I mean, eighth of an acre food plot, quarter of an acre type of thing, but it's going to be waist high. I mean, with buck brush, multi-floor rose, Missouri gooseberry, those things that are just like going to grab you. Um, and man, when you're walking through there this time of the year, it's just muggy as crap. Um, just hot and just sticky. And so I'm like, yeah, that's probably why they're not hanging out. Um, but it's basically, I mean, it's like a freaking fawn nursery on our ground. Like there are fawns everywhere with, with the amount of cover and stuff. Um, so maybe, I don't know if that's, if they just like their distance from the, the doe and fawn um, aspect of things. But yeah, I, I don't know really what it is. I, I assume it's got to do something with the food besides our, I mean, we have three tiny clover plots and then we have, um, we have an acre and a half of corn, acre and a half of beans right next to each other. And that's all the food we have. So it's like um, if they don't want to be hanging out in the freaking hot and sticky and thick um, shade of our, our 80, then they're probably going to be um, heading to a neighbor's where they could have maybe more of a food source that they like, or uh, just, I mean, airflow and just, I don't know, uh, a little more space to breathe. Yeah. 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 I feel like uh, in the summer months, man, I got you would think that they would just be chilling, right? Mm-hmm. But on that on on the property that I hunt, and maybe maybe it's because of the vegetation, right? There's obviously more vegetation on this these properties. I mean, they're thick. There's there's water. It's thick for cover. They can drop down into one of these bigger drainages and, and find a cool spot that is in shade most of the day. Um, and they can, you know, and there's vegetation all around them, right? Mm-hmm. Even up until the time where, you know, you start seeing deer out in the bean fields. Uh, you know, so they have everything they need there. But then... As that all dries out and the food source changes and the, and the acorns start to drop or, or something like that, that concentration, like the deer concentration just disperses and the velvet comes off. And I'm sure that has something to do with it, right? They all start to jockey for position. Uh-huh. They're, they're uh-huh. looking. Someone's got to lose the territory battle. And so they, they start to, you know, move out of their areas you know the big dogs are, are claiming territory and sometimes they claim the the territory that i hunt sometimes they don't but um now on the flip side what do you think you know and and I, i'm gonna answer one for you you can't answer does because that's a cop-out question right that's a cop-out <laughs> answer obviously deer yeah. during the breeding season bucks want does but why do you think that these bucks then filter into your property during the the hunting season. Oh man! Don't say dose. Don't say dose. <laughs> um, all right. Besides that, I feel like I don't know. I think it's naturally. I think naturally the bucks are just starting to cover more ground. So I think it's just like okay, that's playing into it. We have. Um, 
we just have an interesting travel route along some water systems where I'm like, if deer are going to be moving, they're probably going to be coming through our ground. Um, I mean, obviously there's a, a ton of sign making opportunity on our ground um, with just the amount of cover and timber and stuff like that. If they want to, I mean, there's like a ton of scrapes and stuff that they might be uh, getting interested in. But other than, uh, other than that first thing you mentioned, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's not like, I mean, I guess, we do keep our crops standing. So, I mean, yeah. that, that, I mean, maybe that's starting to have some effect during that time frame, um, majorly in the later of the season, but, uh, yeah, that, that's, I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, there's, there's multiple different things, but I think it also, there's like, there's like that first wave in October that we get. And then there's a wave like, I don't know, late November, early December of bucks that start coming to you. And all of them, are just beat to shit like broken up and i'm like okay that buck got his ass kicked by somebody and is just trying to get out of there probably yeah um that's that's definitely a good good odds of that yeah yeah and i I think that happens too and i'll tell you and i'll I'll say this so the vegetation the cover all that stuff that i mentioned on on the properties that i hunt flip it i think the deer Obviously, they start to move out. They start to jockey for position. The food source changes. But what I think is the most is the pressure, right? Mm. We have people start coming in. Farmers start coming in. People are, are switching cattle pastures. Uh, that's that's shifting deer around. Uh, just I, I'm not sure why people are heading into the timber in September. And maybe it's their their way of, Hey, I got to get ready for the season. It's the last day of September. So I'm going to go and hang trail cameras and, and, uh, trim out tree stands. But for, for that property, I think it's a combination of all those things. And it, it sucks. I'll be honest with you. It kind of sucks that not everybody on the property is on, on the properties that I hunt is, are on the same, uh, the same level. Uh, you know the the same wavelength, but you know you can't. There's nothing I can do about it because it's per, right. it's a permission mm-hmm. it's a permission piece. Mm-hmm. But you know we've been talking. It says here for about 32 minutes. All right, and so it we've had this podcast and we've we've talked about the summer, like this does summer deer location impact your fall hunting strategy, and, and we've really stretched it out. I think, and I I feel like. My answer is no. Do you feel like your answer is no? My answer is no. I I have the one, the like the one percent of it mattering. Yeah, would be if I had history with a property and I had like that that if I had a buck that I recognized in the summer. But like neither yeah. you nor I have that opportunity. Like we haven't had that opportunity. But like if yeah. I had one in the summer that I'm like okay that that deer's been a homebody he's been around through the fall then i would be getting pretty interested but like with my situation i i put zero interest into it right but you know there's always these asterisks right and and you mentioned the one percent of time um in 2018 when i shot uh the buck that i i shot then i i had trail camera pictures of him from the year before uh in in a property border like in a big egg field right i found his shed on that egg field and then 
right before the season started in 2018, I got a picture of him in velvet coming. So I, I didn't have any trail camera pictures of him all at all. And then I got a velvet picture of him. I think it was like September 12th. Uh, and then I shot him on November 4th. I shot him on November 4th. Mm-hmm. Found him on November 6th. Anyway. But I used that intel. I was still able to use that intel if you want to call that a summer picture, right? Because he could have been in his summer pattern. But I'm guessing he was just coming off of his summer pattern, shifting into a new location, even though he was in velvet. And I set up in a – so those all three of those points created a triangle, right? And so I sat – I, when this huge cold front just passed, I said, I got to set up in the biggest terrain feature in that triangle. And that is where I shot him. Basically just out of luck that he showed up Mm -hmm. at that same time. So did I know he was there? No, but I knew that (laughs) within a 365 day period, he was in, three spots and so i said hey if he's here this is the best spot in this triangle that i think i'll catch him and sure enough he showed up and the only deer he was the only deer i shot or saw that night so mm-hmm. i i guess you could say it it was important if you want to call that trail camera picture summer intel right i mean nothing in so i'll just say this nothing in july is going to dictate my decision making in late october or november Right. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd stand by that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, anything else interesting that you've caught on, on trail camera or trends? Cause I, I really like to look oh. at, at trends yep. throughout an entire year or in fall or let's just say in a certain time frame that just gets me an idea of whether I need to go in or stay out in a particular time of year? Well, I've got, I'm not really sure on a trend yet, but I've got something really interesting that I caught on trail camera. Okay. And, uh, that was, uh, I think, I don't know if you, uh, messages or not, but, uh, a Husky with a collar on carrying a fawn in its mouth. Hmm. Um, that was pretty interesting. This, uh, I don't know, a few weeks back. Um, and that's also the same dog that we, uh, in during one of our coyote sets um this uh this winter um so that was just great to see um i uh <laughs> no it yeah, wasn't <laughs> I, yeah no it was terrible um i don't know with with all the uh freaking effort we put into like managing this piece and like thinking it's like like as perfect as it can be i mean just get like a freaking neighbor dog um just carrying around a fawn in its mouth i'm like okay Right. That's uh, right. not ideal. All right. So do you know where that dog lives? Uh, no, no, I don't. So we have suspicions and uh, we have really good um, we have really good neighbors in the area that we are pretty, pretty tight with. And so I sent it out to a few people and I got two different I got uh, two different houses that, I'm, that they were like pretty likely. Um, but talking with one of the neighbors, he's like, like that dog, I've been trying, I've been trying to kill that dog 
for years because <laughs> it's killed a ton. He's like, it's killed multiple um, calves. Like he has a cattle operation. A dog and is killing calves. Yes. yes. Not and just coyote. A couple of his, no. Yes. And it's killed, um, I think, a couple of his sheep. And this husky that we had that was dragging the fawn, um, he has like a freaking running partner that is, I don't know, uh, another dog. I'm not sure the breed, but freaking mutt. Um, and they're like, we've been trying to kill those dogs forever. And Thomas and I called him in to point blank when we were freaking hunting uh, coyotes this winter. Um, what What so, is yeah. the what is the rule in Kansas? Do you know? Dude, can, can you shoot a dog I, or can you not? So, okay, if you if it's uh, those guys could because they're protecting livestock. Okay, um, but I have yet to find a good answer with like this whole deer thing. I have, um, I actually just got the, the, uh, the warden's number for my like County. So I'm going to give him a ring and text, um, and just see like, Hey, what do you think I should do with this situation? Because, um, I've already tried to reach out to some of the landowners and I know one of them that I think the dogs, um, are living at is like, just not a guy that you want to hang around. Um, yeah. So, uh, everybody's like, Hey, go talk to the neighbor. The dog obviously has a collar. Okay. I'm like. I don't think this is the type of dog that I'm going to say, Hey, come here, boy. Come here, boy. Like, let me give you a nice pet. Um, let me check out your collar. That's, that's not happening with this dog. Right. Okay? He's so killed. Like, he's a killer. Like yes. he kills, he kills animals. Right? He's not a pet. Exactly. He's not, a pet. He's not eating dog uh, food. No, no. And I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's, and that's honestly on the 80. That's been the only downside, uh, freaking just dog central i feel like um, like when we were we had freaking uh spencer newharth um hunt our ground uh december 2020 i think and it was like i'm pretty sure it was like three nights in a row we had dogs in the in the field <laughs> and uh it's like it's been a rough go but yeah the whole uh i'll send it to you the picture it's uh i i've seen it yeah i saw it yeah yeah um yeah. i'll tell you this in iowa i think the the law is black and pretty pretty clear that mm-hmm. you can shoot a dog if it's on your property if it doesn't have a collar yeah right if it's wild, like that 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 to me symbolizes it's wild but if it does have a collar then you have to make an attempt to find out what the scenario is locate a landowner or the owner of the dog and then tell them, I, I no longer want your dog on my property. Please yeah. do that. And I think so that, but if it happens again, I, I don't know what the scenario is, but um, yeah. <laughs> so we had the, so uh, I used to hunt uh, a farm. It's since been sold. And so across the street from this, this property, this like hundred and, 130 acres most of it was crp and then like all the low spots had trees in it It was really good and um uh the lady it was an abandoned farm so no one actually lived there but once a week the the owner of the abandoned house she moved into town but you know just let the the house rot left her dogs there she had about six dogs of all different breeds and things she would dump one 50 pound bag of dog food once a week and that is what these dogs would i guess survive on but they were running all over the place all over the place and so one one night i'm walking out of the timber and 
I hear all this commotion in a barn, just like scared the shit out of me. And all of a sudden this raccoon, this big fat raccoon runs out of the, out of this barn, this hay barn. And then all these dogs come out of the barn as well. And they just eat it alive. They just tore this yeah. raccoon apart, ate it alive, then looked at me and their tails were wagging like, Hey, look at me. Haha, I'm, I'm friendly. But as they're murdering <laughs> yeah. this raccoon. So right. on the neighboring farm, there was another guy who, uh, who was getting sick of them running through, through there. And so he calls the DNR and, and that's when the DNR tells him, Hey man, we have this collar law. If it has got, if they have collars, then you have to reach out to the landowner and all of them had collars on them. So he go, so he calls up the landowner and he's like, Hey man, your dogs are all over the place. And she just goes, shoot them. <laughs> she just told him to shoot them oh, because she didn't want him anymore, obviously, but yeah. she felt bad for just like moving into town. She was old, much older. Um, she also had a horse that was out there in one of these overgrown pastures that the hooves started curling around mm-hmm. over the years. And they, so they mm-hmm. never got trimmed and, I don't know whatever happened to that, but uh, they just like neglected the farm, just like up and left it. So uh, dogs. Yes. I've had a plenty of hunts over the years ruined by dogs. They're kind of like, I don't know. They're, I feel like they're not talk. I mean, maybe they're talked about more than I realized, but I feel like they're just, they do so much. I mean, if I got a picture of a coyote dragging a fawn around and be like, okay, natural cycle, whatever. But right. I feel like just because it's that, and especially since it has like a collar a human thing on yeah. it, I'm like, oh, come on, people. Take care of your freaking animals and know where they're at. Yeah. I mean, we have some landowners where we'll have, I mean, we'll have them run through once and it's like, whatever. I, I text them, they're like, okay, I'll get it. I'll get them locked up. Sorry about that. I'm like, okay, whatever. Not a big deal. But like when we, I mean, when we huff it down to do like an evening hunt or something and I mean, the field's starting to starting to get interesting and freaking dogs can barking through. It's yeah. Like, That's the worst. Or when you actually see a, like the, all the does start to pile out, uh, come out of a bedding area. They work their way by you. And then you can actually see a shooter. I've had this happen several times in my life. Shooter cautiously coming up, you know, just munching his way, take, you know, maybe laying a scrape or something. And then you see dogs in the field all of the does blow out and run back into the timber and all that, that buck follows. And you're just yeah. like, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, that's, the perils yeah. of hunting, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's been, uh, that's been the only, uh, interesting thing lately on uh trail camera, but, um, yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I'm ready for fall. I'm ready. Uh, I don't know. I'm ready, ready for deer season already. Yeah, that's a fact, man. Well, Nate, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with me for a little bit. Appreciate your time, and and I'm sure we'll talk again. But uh, good luck this fall, man. Yeah, thanks. Same to you, Dan. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Nate for taking time out of his day. Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp Excalibur Hunt Stand Vortex and Exodus. Please go out and support the brands that support this podcast. Lastly, go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Please leave a five-star review. And um, that's it, man. We'll just end it there. Good vibes, man. Good vibes the rest of the summer leading into the fall. I think if you send the good vibes out, you do your do your work, you're going to find success, right? So good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time. Oh,